Good to see you. Thank you for having me. We've had a lot of Zoom conversations, but it's nice to see you face to face. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for making the trip. Absolutely. All right, so, so to orient the audience, Rizos is an online marketplace, industrial goods, yes. focusing on steel first. Yeah, that's right. Give us an understanding of the dynamics of the marketplace, starting with how many suppliers do buyers typically interact with offline? Offline, um, when I was a buyer, I would see, you know, when I would buy, I probably would first go to like the three companies that I felt like would likely have what we needed at that time. And I'm talking about sourcing like transactional yep. versus like yep. stock, for instance. So I'm wondering how that's changed since the, since the pandemic or just since the rush to digital. Because if buyers only deal with three suppliers... What's the incentive to move that business online? Um, I think that the incentive is that you're going to want to, if, if for the same amount of work, if you can get more options sure. for what you're trying to do. So if you're not expending, you're being actually uh, arguably more efficient with your mm-hmm. time. You're getting better options and doing a better job of controlling your costs. That would be your incentive to do it, is that ultimately anything you say, save at that purchase literally goes to the bottom line of your business. Yeah. So that's why you'd want to do it. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of you know, online marketplaces, but I also know that they're, they're incredibly complex for the business-to-business world. You know, there have been a lot of... There's a lot of history in failed marketplaces. But I would imagine that you know, just the, the, the interest in digitizing the process, the interest in having access to more supply... And for suppliers to have access to more buyers, particularly now when supply chain pressures may force the need to have a different supply base, I would think are, are tailwinds that would that would be a motivation for wanting to do business this way. Yes, there's a lot packed in what you just said there. So <laughs> let me pull that apart a little bit, which is your first comment was about uh, as compared to maybe the dot-com era. Yeah. Right, which is you had companies that were probably already physically either distributing or otherwise selling into the marketplace that had the resources to start their own marketplace, digital marketplace at right. that time. And it was probably too soon, right? It's, it, there were no consumer habits that had really, uh, really been galvanized at that time. And payments were, were a bit of a problem, meaning that eBay... Right you know, they had to create PayPal, right? Because there wasn't... So there was just no payments infrastructure for anything like that at the time. And the sensitivities that exist, the the dynamics that exist within supply chain, meaning that uh, if a marketplace is going to to really be a trusted marketplace, that marketplace cannot compete with its members. For sure. And so I think that that was sort of... um, It just was the, the whole... Uh, backdrop or the underpinning of those marketplaces mm-hmm. made it hard for for users to kind of get their heads around. Right, and, and then you know the the transparency, if you will, of, of pricing, given that business model, really made the suppliers a little reluctant to want to do business that way. But 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 what you've created is is really a platform. You are a you are a matchmaker, so you are just facilitating 
buyers and suppliers who need each other to do business more efficiently. And it's not just discovering the, you know, the supply the supplier. It is providing payment and it's also providing the logistics and you know how those products move from from supplier to buyer too, right? Yeah. So uh, my intent when when sitting down to solve for a, a marketplace, there were a lot of things that had to be addressed, and it wasn't as simple as you know you throw up a, a Craigslist, which is great, but right. for uh, for industrial products, it's just not that straightforward uh, because you have to first decide what kind of marketplace you're going to be, right? Are you going to be a facilitating marketplace? Meaning that you're really out of the way, which is what we are, where they buyers and sellers just do it, but you have all of the support needed to make sure a transaction is successful, right? Which is anything from negotiations to post-transaction reconciliation to making sure things are funded. All of that has to be handled. Plus the onboarding, which is a little bit complicated in itself. I mean, something simple like sales tax exemption certificates has to be dealt with. And that's... So all these little things. And then as a marketplace, it's going to be more of just like straight brokerage marketplace, which is buyer and seller on either side of the marketplace may not ever know who one another are. Right? So... And that's not wrong. It's different. Right. And so part of the whole thing is deciding... How are you even going to address this? Like, what does the marketplace mean to me? And what do I think it should mean to others? Well, well part of that is, is, is figuring out where is the biggest friction. And one of the things that you and I chatted about before we, we stepped into the live studio sure. was supply chains make a lot of money because of inefficiencies. So the idea is platforms can, can eliminate efficiencies and redistribute the economics of those flows. Yes. What was the biggest friction that you saw with respect to steel, how steel was being being bought and sold that you wanted to address with Brizos? You, you know, when I first conceived of Brizos, it wasn't as uh, thoughtful as you're talking about. I was a purchaser. <laughs> I'm sure it was. I'm, I'm sure no, it, it was. No, it's evolved in its thoughtfulness. But it, when I first conceived of it, which was probably in 2011, uh, it was... I was a purchaser and I was like, this is a real pain. And I just bought this yesterday. And now I've got to go out for it today because of stock volatility, right? So maybe the guy I bought it from yesterday, maybe after I bought that for 10 bucks or whatever, they sold all their inventory. And they got one left. So now that was 10 bucks is now like 50 bucks. So if you're buying the same thing day in, day out, because of uh, you know inventory composition volatility, you've got to go back out and do it again. So it's just like this repetitive thing that is... If, and I was saying, if I'm a business owner, do I want that level of, of sort of... Well, in busy churn, I've got a smart person out there who's spending a lot of information just collecting data, all this data so they can finally just make use their expertise to make a decision. That's why... Well, that's what makes a good purchaser is the decisions they're making. Right. It's not like I can send an email. That's, that's not their expertise. So I was like, well, wait a minute. Why not have that person spend more of their time exercising their expertise and we'll just do the busy work of gathering all this information for them? It's like when you book an airline ticket, you get your results and you're like, okay, can you imagine calling every like, United American? That's what, that was the first thought. It was like, how do we sort of let's get this busyness out of here? So, so the busyness is the efficiency of knowing 
what supply exists in real time. Mm -hmm. But then this stuff that goes on behind the scenes is all about the flow of information and payment between those two parties, which is very time consuming. It can be very inefficient because of the manual processes that still exist in Mm -hmm. many companies, probably a lot of them who are in your sector. Um, So so isn't that also part of the value proposition that doing all the background work eliminates the manual process and the reconciliation associated with the purchase, the payment, and the resolution of the of the buy. Yeah. So as I stated, like my first idea was like, let's make this easier. And then so I started Brizos and I had ideas. And then what you're talking about was like a really sinking moment <laughs> for me when I realized, like, okay, if I want to just simply make this part easier, I've got I've got to do the rest of all of this. And that means the the lockstep. Uh, sort of relationship and mo- movement of product or goods and money. Like those have got to live together. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that? Right. And I actually read, a, I told you, I read a payments.com article that assured me you couldn't to a degree. <laughs> and I was like, all right, well, I may have to crawl back to where I worked and, and, and see if maybe they still need some help. But uh, no, so basically, I really had to get serious about solving this problem. And yes, it's finding data for buyers to make decisions is the easy part of this whole thing. And then you get into the credit piece where Mm -hmm. I knew from having been an operator in the business that when I buy something, it's because someone's offered me open terms to buy. Yep. So at that time, we, I mean, I can't prove it, but we might have had the first BNPL, meaning that we solved this a long time ago, mm-hmm. had it up and running mm-hmm. to where uh, a buyer could buy on terms and a seller had 100% confidence that they were going to get paid. That's what we needed to solve for and that's what we did. And it was difficult. It took a long time and a lot of slam doors to get it done. How did, how did you ultimately do it? How do you do it? How do you do it? Uh, well, it depends on... How, I mean, how you do it is you first have to say, okay, what am I after? You know, am I after like a digital analog of how it works? Or am I one who creates something that no one's ever heard of? The latter, of course. Yeah, to a degree uh, until the reality of like people have to know how to use this on their own. Right. right. Happens, right? Uh, So you kind of have to somewhere in the middle. So how do you go about it is, you create your structure and you have to make a decision. And a hot topic right now is, for instance, independent contractors. Mm-hmm. Right. So I remember at the time we had to make a decision. Do we want to handle money or not? Right. And I remember our team did some research and said, you know, there's a company out of California that does these rides and they made their <laughs> they made their uh, their drivers independent contractors. And they said that might have been so they don't have to deal with money transmission law. Mm-hmm. And they said they also might in a year or two run into some problems with that. So you need to find a way not handle the money. And so that was good advice, but also a sinking feeling as well, because that solution of being able to manage the flow of a payment mm-hmm. without having it in your possession is a hard thing to solve for. You know, because that's, you, that's when it's like, okay, I need to go find, find some bank relationships. And it's just you're kind of just one brick at a time putting it all together. 
you know? When, when you think about though the, 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 the marketplace, and this is, this is now something we're seeing in, in a lot of industrial sectors where people want to do business online and they want it to go beyond just you know, sourcing and discovery. They, they, mm-hmm. they want to be able to transact within those marketplaces and they do want the ability to have everything be part of that transaction. So, you know, pay one, pay one price for, for everything, um, in, including, you know, what I had to buy to, what I have to pay to, to, to buy the product, to ship the product. All of that is, is, just, is just handled simply. Um, who does that disrupt? And who does that provide opportunity for in your world? I would say that the, the disruption is sort of the, the general distrust of, to a degree, when things go well, people are like, what's going on? And that's a real thing. Which really? is when, you, when we explain our payment system to somebody and says, here's the deal, you're just going to get funded. And it's like everyone gets spooked because right, that doesn't happen in, in this world. You know, uh, so that's sort of, in its own way, a disruption. I mean, it's it's not something people are used to. So it takes some uh, some conversations to get people comfortable with the fact that that's actually going to occur. So who's moving the money? The bank? The bank. Well, really, the, the, the buyer and seller are moving the money. Because our platform and the partners behind the scenes are just executing upon the agreements that have been made between a buyer and a seller. Right. So, for instance, if a buyer puts in an RFQ and says, "Here's the ship date that we need. We need this on this date," mm-hmm. and somebody checks out, the steel shows up, and if nobody makes it, says anything, the buyer and seller are like, "Yeah, this one's great." You know, our system, if no one says otherwise, will just the money will get moved. It'll come from the bank. But <clears throat> if there's a post transaction situation. Uh, where somebody got overshipped, undershipped, it's dented, it's you know just pyramid loaded, keeps going. They have an opportunity after uh, after checkout upon receiving, say you know raise the flag and say this didn't go as intended, and uh, it stops payment clock, and the money is not going to move till both parties are satisfied. So you you become the intermediary for resolving issues. No, we don't resolve them. You don't resolve them. You just you just say don't move the money. We're, yeah, we're just we're just doing what we're being told, and it's about giving the control to the users, right? Which is uh, one of the biggest things that people say. Well, what if this? What if that? Mm-hmm. You know, what what if somebody ships us material that we can't use? And we say, well, you you create an RCDC, which is a reconciliation, change order, dispute, or cancellation through the system, and it freezes the transaction until. You guys figure it out. And they're like, well, what if this? What if they say, well, look, what you're doing right now is a lot worse. I can tell you that, which is running back to the accounts payable office saying, don't pay that invoice. This is this is better than that. You know, so you have we've neutralized transactional risk, which is, you know, if you can make a profit and minimize risk, but your profit remains unchanged, that's a winning proposition because you know, risk and reward are correlated. If you can drop down the risk and keep your reward the same, there's no reason you would ever say no to that. But what happens in the case of the buy now, pay later example, where mm-hmm. the supplier has been paid mm-hmm. and there's a problem? Well, the supplier will never know about that. I mean, once they're paid, and when you say problem, what do you mean? Like a buyer's not paying their bill? Or no, stuff. Got got shipped, and the buyer says, "I don't, I don't like this." 
Well, they have a good amount of time. So there's an RCDC period, which is they've got 30 days from the time of what we call the ready date. They have 30 days basically from the ship date to raise the flag. I got it. So, so no one's being paid instantly. No. And we've people have said, you need to pay them instantly. And I said, well, there's a reason that things are net 30. You know, there, there's much of <laughs> purchasing, I would say, is, you know, maybe 25% based on price, right? And I think that when people talk about marketplace adoption, they're like, the assumption, at least surprises us, has been that it works. That's the assumption. And the questions go immediately to <laughs> operations-based questions. Right. 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 Because the biggest threat to a business and distribution, in my opinion, is is what happens outside of the actual transaction, meaning mm-hmm. like, you know, defective material or, you know, trucks are rolling over or whatever it is. It's operations related. And if 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 you have a system that's not considerate of operations, you don't have a system. True. So so, so net thirty is better than net one eighty. I would say net thirty is better than net one. Better than net one for... For the seller. For the seller. Mm-hmm. But, well, because um, operations, from an operations perspective, meaning that we've sold things and if you get paid and things go wrong, you're going to get a lot more people involved in solving that. Got it. Right? It's just a huge operational disruption. Got it. Got it. So there's a reason. It's kind of like the pitcher's mound, <laughs> right? It's just over time got to 60 feet, six inches. You know, if it were a foot closer, a batter would never hit the ball. If we're a foot back, batters be hitting home runs every time. Like over time, like these payment terms are about cash flow, but they're also (laughs) balanced in a way to keep sort of the risk in the right place. Got it. what's What's your advice for fintechs that are trying to solve for some of the frictions associated with the things that you do? Well, we are one of those fintechs, yes, right? Yes, I know. But there, so, but there are a lot of fintechs that serve fintechs. And we've got just a few... Yeah, sure. Left. I would say that if you're a fintech that's trying to address an industrial application, find a company that understands the industry. That's the first thing I would do, is that if you worked on more of a commercial basis, like a B2C type of fintech in your past... When you address an industrial application, it's not the same business at all. So knowing not just B2B, but the particular sector is critical. I think particular sector, and I think that it's no secret how to move money around efficiently. Right. Right. right? And like any bank down the street can do it. How can you do it for a given application? And I think that's a great way to wrap. I think we're ready to go to lunch. All right. Um, Thank you. And uh, we have a good appetite for doing that. See you, Shep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.